Te Papa Tongarewa is home to one of Aotearoa's most culturally significant collections. In 1997, the Minister of Māori Affairs led a campaign to repatriate Kōiwi Tangata, the remains of Māori ancestors, held in foreign museums. It would be a crowning achievement for the Honourable Tauhenare, and the continuation of a political legacy that began with his great-grandfather, Taurekareka Henare, nearly a century before. A proud triumph for this Ōtara kid. Kia ora, I'm Morgan Godfrey. I'm a blogger, writer and commentator, and I'm fascinated by New Zealand politics. Now, I'm speaking with former Māori MPs in Mātangirea, Parliament's historic Māori Affairs Committee room. I want to understand their place in our history and what we can learn from their political legacies. This is Mātangirea. Tauhenare was elected MP for Northern Māori in 1993 as a New Zealand First candidate. In 1996, he became the Minister for Māori Affairs in the first-ever coalition government. I'm from Ōtara. I'm hearty Ōtara. I'm hearty South Auckland, but I live in West Auckland. I'm a descendant of an illustrious Henare side and an illustrious Pākehā side. The Campbells, the Sabritskis, and the McMahons. I am what I am. You're from a political dynasty, probably the Māori political dynasty. I want to ask, was there any pressure to be political? Oh, not, no, not from my, my uh, mother and father. Not, not from my grandfather. I mean, my grandfather was dead by the time I was 12. Um, so I, I missed out on his, his, all of his knowledge. Um, I knew who I was. I knew we had a, a pretty uh, a spanking um, resume. But, but I was a city slicker. We were basically parkhouse, really. Um, and it's cool. I mean, I enjoyed my childhood. I enjoyed growing up in Ōtara. I enjoyed getting to, into mischief. But I also enjoyed uh, the, the, the political discussions that were around our, our community, whether it be about the, the community centre, the, the dogs bite, the police dogs biting, um, you know, the kids down at uh, Ōtara on a Friday night. Uh, whether it was watching the Hells Angels get beaten up by the stormtroopers, I mean, all of those cool things. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, like I said, I knew who I was, but I wasn't really, um, I, I don't think that shaped my early days. Mm -hmm. So was it pretty rough and ready back in Ōtara in the day? Yeah, a lot of people say it was rough and ready, but I just thought it was um, good fun, you know. Um, my mates were black, white, red and green, all, all hues of the rainbow. Um, I played cricket, softball, rugby, a bit of league. You know, I, 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 I was just a normal Ōtara kid who thought that school was about uh, camaraderie rather than learning. I had my issues with school, both at primary school, intermediate and, and college. Um, but, but hey, I look back on it, um, all the good times outweighed the bad times for me. 
I got the strap for a whole week because my mother was in Wellington and the school guitar had been stolen. I got the strap every day from uh, McGowan at primary school because he accused me of stealing the school's guitar. And I tell you, he strapped me every day until I said yes. And I, I, I wouldn't because I didn't. And it wasn't um, for about another week that we found out who did it. Was that, that accusation at school, was that because you were Māori? Or because you were a naughty fella? No, I think I was just a naughty fella, really. You know, um, I, no, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not sure whether I was naughty uh, uh, with a sort of hint of criminality, um, but I was naughty because, uh, and even to this day, um, I don't like to follow the norm or follow rules. I think rules are there to be broken. And you were pretty radical back in the 70s and 80s, weren't you? You were hanging around with Sid Jackson and the like. You were working at um, the Northern Clerical Workers' Union. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the things that I always wanted to do. I mean, I saw the job and uh, advertised in the paper. Sid had an amazing political mind. Very pro-Māori, very, very pro-worker, very, very pro-left. Nice guy, nicest guy. He would all, he, he'd give you the shirt off his back. Mm. Um, you know, he was always giving. Yeah, Sid was, Sid was cool. It's an interesting one, going from sort of that movement, going from the Clerical Workers' Union, from Sid Jackson, and then getting a little bit closer to Winston Peters <laughs> over the year. Was that a natural fit? Or was that your rule breaking again? You know, not conforming to anyone else's script? I was always told, you, you can't do that. You know, you can't, um, on one hand, be a union organiser and then go and join an ex-Tory. I wanted to be an MP. I wanted to emulate my great-grandfather in some way. I always wanted to be like him, not, not in terms of his tikanga Māori side of it, but I suppose the, the, the terrible thing is I wanted to be famous like him. What could I do? I didn't have any skills. I could talk to people. That was my big skill. Um, I had the gift of the gab. I rang Matu Rata up uh, early 93. And I'd be, I was working for Internal Affairs as a community development officer. And I asked Matu, I said to him, I said, Matu, are you, are you uh, running for the Alliance this year? And he was really nice. He said, yes, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm running again. Why, Do you, are, you gonna, are you looking to run? And I, because I had my heart set on running for Northern Māori, um, which is the seat my, my great-grandfather held. He said uh, he, said he was running, um, so that counted me out with the alliance. My brother-in-law, Tukururangi Morgan, made contact with Winston. And so we had a meeting with Winston at the Koru Lounge, you know, in the early days of the Koru Lounge. And um, I'd never been in the Koru Lounge before. I even, hell, I didn't even have a suit. So I had to go and borrow my mother's boyfriend's one. The thing that I liked about New Zealand First was it was the electorate that came first. So if you had a, if you had a, a view on something that um, was contradictory in your party, it was all about your electorate. I mean, that was the whole philosophy of, of New Zealand First. I think it still is. Um, and I loved that. I thought that was cool. So um, I joined. Were you terrified of the thought of running against Machu? No, not really. Was it intimidating? 
Um, I'll tell you this right now. I mean, Matthew, I hold Matthew in, in the, the deepest uh, of respect. But here's the thing. Um, back in the 80s, I was at a hui at Pukepoto with Bruce Gregory. And I said, how do you get a job like yours, Bruce? And he was the MP. He's the one that beat Matthew. And he said, oh, you've got to try hard, son. And I said, yeah, I'm going to take your job one day. You know, because this is that bravado stuff. Um, and he laughed it off. Well, I not only took his job, but I paid my uncle back for the, for the, uh, the loss that Uncle Jim suffered in 1967 when he ran, ag ran against Matthew. He lost by 400 votes. I won by 400 votes in 1993. I thought it was sort of like payback. And so that first election campaign um, was the utmost fun I've had in politics, you know, out on the road, because I was with Winston. Winston is the, was the consummate uh, uh, campaigner. He would go to places that even people today wouldn't go, you know. And Winston has this knack of being able to smile and talk to people and actually tell them what they want to hear. I, I think Winston... To me, I mean, you can you can agree and disagree on on uh, on the policies and and where he's gone over the years. But at the end of the day, the guy's been in Parliament nearly forty years. Forty years. I met him when I was eighteen. So this guy has not only got a track record; he's he's just amazing. You know, got the quickest mouth um, uh, this side of the black stump. You knew him well. Could he have been prime minister? Oh, on, on no doubt, but, but I think um, Winston, uh, Winston wanna, wants the game to be played his way, and that's cool. I mean, I don't, I don't uh, degrade him or decry him of, of the way he plays the game. Um, he could have been. He could have been Prime Minister three or four times over, most probably in different parties, um, but hey, not to be. Just going back to 1993, you did what no one had done since the 1940s. You know, you got rid of a Labour... 38, to be, Labour, 38 to be exact. Yeah, 1930, I'm glad you know the date. You got rid of a sitting Labour MP. You know, in that campaign, did you and Winston have a sense that, shit, we might actually just do this? Was I shocked? Pretty much. You know, and Mike Moore, um, bless his soul, after, um, after that used to say to me every time he saw me, just like winning Lotto, eh? And it was sort of, it was. Not so much the monetary stuff, but um, yeah, big ups for my, my side of the family. Maybe you've got to understand is that um, our side of the family uh, um, were city slickers, okay, from, from my, my granddad's day. So when people say, of my age say, oh, I'm an urban Māori, I'm actually second generation you know, urban, urban Māori. I didn't come in the 50s, come out of the 50s. I came out of the 20s. You know, my father uh, was born in the 30s here in Wellington, um, a long way from, uh, from Papakainga. The first time I visited home was for my grandfather's unveiling in 1975. You know, I think it's shameful that, that, uh, that there's been that break. So, so every, every step of the way, now I'm still learning, um, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an embarrassed speaker. I'm an embarrassed 
maraigawa. Because I still don't know what to do sometimes, you know? So I still get nervous. My old man was a, was a plumber on the railways who didn't speak a word of Māori, didn't sing a word of Māori. Strange, eh? That he came from my grandfather, who was born in an eco whare, who only knew one language for the first sort of, you know, 10 or 11 years of his life. The best thing that me and Nairi <clears throat> did as parents for our children was to say no to mainstream school. We wanted our kids to have what, what we didn't have. That's the language. That's the day in, day out um, tikanga, um, surrounded by their, their own um, and in their own environment. And I look at all my kids, matatau te reo Māori, matatau ngā tikanga. Um, they are happy in their own skins, their own bodies. They know that they descend from a long line of illustrious Māoris, but also they know they, they descend from a long line of illustrious foreign people as well. You might have been, um, you know, I might have been a politician, I might have been lucky enough to win a couple of elections and weasel my way into the National Party for another three terms. Mm, mm. But at the end of the day, it's my grandparents, it's my great-grandparents, it's my great-great-great-grandparents. Whakapapa, it's like winning the lotto. And I want to go back to that. I want to go back to that, what Mike Moore said to you. It's a bit like winning the lotto, but you didn't win once, you won twice because you won in 1996 as well. Yeah. Did you get the sense then too that, you know, actually we're going to get all of these seats? We're going to win all the Māori seats? I thought that in 96, um, for my own seat, I was going to cream it. There's nobody close to us. And I also thought that we were going to do very, very well in the other Māori seats. It was, that's just, it was the time. It wasn't so much the individual. Um, we owe a lot to Winston. Make no mistake. My, my win was a matter of um, timing. People were sick of labour, you know, just utterly. And there was no one there. A lot of it was Winston, you know, in 93. And then in 96, it was just the train kept on rolling. Is it right that people were not just sick of labour, but people were angry as well? You know, you had layoffs at the freezing works, privatisations. Yeah. Māori were angry, right? Well, they were. Freezing works like Moidua, who employed basically all of the community, went from employing 2,500 people down to 180. Now, how is that possible? What do you do with the community? And, and there are a whole lot of things that, that the governments of that day didn't do. And they didn't retrain people. You know, they left it to Māoris to retrain. And I'm, in a way, I'm glad of the 80s. I'm glad that that happened to Māori because Māori actually went out and learned new skills about their own culture. You know? Learned about the language, learned about whakapapa, learned about uh, land rights and, and issues like that. So, you know, uh, sometimes uh, um, a horrible event will throw up a good result. Mm. 96 was different. 96 was the train was rolling. Here we come, you know, all six of us. Um, and we, there was a bit of a swagger and a bit of arrogance about us that the media hated that other politicians hated. 
The worst thing we could have done, we did it. We went with the National Party. If we had had our time over again, what we really should have done was give both parties the fingers and say, we're going to sit in the middle and we, will not, we won't be part of, of your old bollocks. We had an opportunity and we blew it. Oh, that's, that's a personal um, reflection on, on my time. I think we blew our chance um, to, to shape the country. Winston Peters had quit National in 1993 and had an adversarial relationship with his former party during the 96 election, the first held under MMP. But after two months of negotiations, he surprised the country, announcing he'd go into coalition with the Nats. Who was pushing for that relationship with the National Party, or was that everyone decided? Oh, no, you know, it came down to a very close uh, move or vote between both the Nats and Labour, and the Nats won. I will tell you, um, and I've told individuals this, but on the date of, uh, when, when the game was up, uh, and we were five minutes away from, from deciding, and I think we took far too long, and so most of the, the country was pissed off. You know, they'd been waiting. Like when you wait for your kite, oh, come on. You know, your, your stomach starts to rumble. Um, I rang Helen Clark. I had the boys, the, I said the boys, Rana, the brother-in-law, Tutukoa, JD, um, in a separate room. And I rang Clark and I said to, um, to Helen Clark, I said, is there a job for the old man? And I mean the treasurer. And, why, and I, I, the old man is, is uh, Winston. And she said, no. And I said, well, we can't go with you. If she had a said yes, we would have gone with her. Or, you know, um, the Māori members would have, would have pushed to go with Labour. To me, and I only speak about from, from my position, <clears throat> going with Labour and National is all the same. Was always the same will always be the same, okay? I think Winston has the same view as well, you know, because the cold hard facts of, of coalition, you're after something. Whether it be free healthcare for under, under 13s, under 7s, whatever, free buses for old people, you know, it doesn't matter what, that's the game. And you look at today, who's the big winner? Matua Shane, $3 billion for provincial growth. It's what, what New Zealand First has been on about for the last 25 years, provincial growth. And now they've finally got something. Um, I think it's taken years to get there, and that's cool. They've got it. Big ups. So do you reckon if there's no difference between Labour and National, that, that coalition was always going to fall down at some point? Oh, no. I, th I think when, you, when you're dealing with uh, Māori, and the National Party. You're gonna, have a, you're gonna have a crash somewhere along the line. Just look at the Māori Party. You know, they didn't have a crash, but the people saw them too close together, okay? So, I don't, and, I, and I personally don't think there will be another Māori Party. Gone, history. It's, it did what it did. And Tari and Uncle Pete, uh, they took it as far as, as they could in their time.
But we all knew in 1996, after we signed the coalition deal, that we were, we were going to lose our seats at the next election. We all knew that. But here's the thing I could never understand. Rogernomics didn't come from the National Party. It came from the bloody Labour Party. It was the Labour Party, under the Labour Party, the 1984 Labour Party that got rid of all the freezing works, got rid of all the railways. My old man was on the railways. My old man worked all his life on the railways. He only had one job. And at the age of 58 or so, made redundant. I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't have gone down another track. But that's not what the country had been used to, you know? And so they blame national. Māori's blame national. Always blame national. That's <laughs> well, cool. national finished the job, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, but it wasn't us who started it. Because Māori have an innate hate of the National Party. I wonder about your time in Cabinet um, as the Māori Affairs Minister under that national government from 96 to 99. You got some good wins through. You got the repatriating Mokumokai. You, yep. you were actually the... Māori Affairs Minister who made the first moves to create Māori television. I wonder how hard that was to get through. Was it big pushback? Not really. They just said you get on with it. You know, um, uh, both under uh, Bolger and Shipley, and a, it's actually one of the people that I admire is Shipley, for her, her dogged determination to get the business done. And also to say to me, go ahead and do it, but you have to put up a case. You know, and I thought, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll do that. I don't hate people, eh? I don't hate people on the left and I don't hate people on the right. I don't even hate people in the centre. I just, I just think that we should just go out and do a job. So when I came in as a Minister of Māori Affairs, 20% unemployment. You know what I see the Māori unemployment rate today? 8%. Oh, I would have killed to have 8%. Mind you, general population is 4%, so we're still twice as much as the other fellow. So when it was 20%, general unemployment was 10%. So we were still twice as likely to be unemployed. We did a lot of good things. We did a lot of good things. Uh, we, we established a number of commissions, the Health Commission, the Economic Commission, and out of those things came different little things. Um, a, a housing project down, on, uh, down in, uh, on the, in the Eastern Bay of Plenty, still going today. People own their houses because of what I did. And that's cool, you know. Which are you most proud of? I'm, I'm, I'm proud of everything that we did. I'm proud of actually um, getting $15 million back in the day for Reo Māori. And I'm proud of the fact that Parikura kept it going. And so did uh, Dover. So to those fellas that beat me and who were on the opposite side of the house, thank you. Because what you did was what we all want. And that's access to um, better, better ways of learning our language and keeping our language alive. So when you were Minister of Māori Affairs, you set up the, or you helped set up the forerunner to Māori Television, the Aotearoa Television Network, but there was controversy that came with that. Um, Ian Quigley, an ACT MP, and Trevor Mallard came in to audit the station. Can you tell us what happened there? Yeah, they, they ostensibly came in to, um, you know, on the, on the premise that uh, we're just looking. You know, we want to audit, we want to um, see where the money's going and blah, 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 and that's cool. But they got a lot of whole lot of other information, um, and then they started to round in on um, on the brother-in-law because he had been part of Aotearoa Television Network, 
And a lot of the information came from Mallard and Quigley. And the sad thing about it was mainstream media got onto it. I have a, I have a filing cabinet at home. I kid you not. Top to bottom, every press release and press clipping of that period, 90% of it is about Aotearoa Television Network. So you've got Alan Duff, there's that Alan Duff again. Um, he's writing articles about how Tugu should go um, because he, he got some money. He was paid some money. It was a contract for goodness sake. And, and you know, he even still gets it. When I say to two people, oh, yeah, yeah, Tugu, Tugu Morgan, my brother-in-law, oh, the underpants fella. That's lasted for 30 years, you know? What do you think that does on their kids, you know? Um, and and uh, when, when, because Trevor was the orchestrator, he was the conductor of this campaign against us. And you know why? It was to bring, it was to bring down the government. Not because there was anything in it, but it was, it was because we had chosen national over labour. What's the bet? He wouldn't ask any questions if we were in government together. What's the bet? National might have asked those same questions. You see the silly game that they play? It's, a, it's the game of gotcha. And look, I'll be, I'll, be, um, I'll be big enough to say I've been part of gotcha as well. It's the game. But when you started, when they started picking on my kids, when they started filming uh, and clandestine cameras in my backyard and over the back fence, when we're having a barbecue, for goodness sake, with my mother-in-law, you know, that's when I said, well, I will, I will remember this to the day I die and if anything comes up in between um, that I have an opportunity to get back at you, I will. I want to talk about the repatriated Mokomokai because back in the day, the Labour Party, I think it was um, Jim Sutton, Jim Sutton, who called it PC gone berserk. Yeah. But for Māori it wasn't PC gone berserk, was it? Oh, it was returning our supernova. I'd do it again tomorrow. You know, sometimes hey, you, 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 um, you do things and they don't amount to much or they're incremental uh, uh, building blocks. And although the repatriation of our tupuna and bits and pieces of them um, didn't give anybody a job, didn't cut down employment rate, I tell you what, I'd do it again, I'd do it a hundred times. And shit, yes, I bought them home first class because they, they deserve to come home first class, you know, after the robbers and thieves that took them out of our country. I get animated about it, you know, and I, and I think of uh, Maui Pōmare, Dalvanius, all those fellas that tried their hardest to get things done. Anyway, so I became a Minister of Māori Affairs and I had always promised that I'd go back there as a minister. Um, and then somebody got a note at TPK to say that the, the folks up at uh, Whitby had some koiwi and a couple of mokomokai. Um, would we like to come and get them? So we get up there and um, Peony's father and I, uh, as part of the group, um, I, I took him. We get a phone call late at night from the Scots. They've got some that they want to give to us. We, they heard that we were in the country. 
So we trot up there the next day, all of us, walk into a room and there's eight mokomokai uh, staring back at us. You know, they said to us, oh, you want to come in for a bit of a cup of tea and a sandwich? So we said, yeah, sweet. We went in, oh my goodness, there's our tupuna, you know, sitting on the, um, on the table. Yeah, so that's how it all, that's sort of how, how it all happened. And I, I suppose I was just, the, the, you know, lucky to be in the, in the position that I was at the time, yeah. That would have been really confronting as Māori to arrive in your tipuna sitting on the table. Yeah, it was, but um, see, I, I have this morbid fascination with that sort of thing anyway, so, so I wasn't too thrown by it, um, you know, and, and one of them had dreads and he was a ginger. And so I thought, oh, he must be from the coast. You know, I, sort of, I made that sort of remark to, um, to Eddie Mai, and he, he, he laughed because Eddie Mai had the, a brilliant sense of humour as well. So, yeah, but it was, but Eddie Mai was good because, you know, we opened the door, we saw them, and he, he just did karakia from then on until we uh, got closer. It, 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 was, it was quite freaky um, to look into that person's face you know, and think, crikey, 150 years ago, this fellow was running around here. You know, I wonder what he was doing. I wonder where he's from. My express purpose of bringing them home was not to lead them into Papa. And I hear they are still into Papa. My express reason was the repatriation and return of those to as close as you can get to the iwi uh, rohe. And through DNA and all sorts of things, you could work that out. Um, I, I, I dislike the fact that uh, uh, some of the stuff that we brought home is still languishing. And, you know, my job was not to take it from their museum and put it in ours, okay? Yeah. Mm. What sort of crap were you getting for it? Oh, I got a lot of stuff from Alan Duff. You know, I got a lot of the, the jokes in the, in the paper by journalists who said one way to get ahead, you know? That's not even funny. Um, but they would, they would be like those old colonial fellows stand in the corner and chuckle to each other while they watch that poor Maori. No, it's, it's all good because I gave back. I gave it back in tons. And that's the other thing they didn't, didn't like. I called them all sorts of names under the sun um, because they deserved it. You know? I, I, I wasn't willing to take a backward step to anybody who had a go at me. Um, and I think that's what they weren't used to. They were used to Māori MPs who would play nice, you know? Uh, a certain class, and I don't have any class. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you've been in training for that role, you know, your whole life, breaking the rules, pushing the boundaries? Yeah, I do, actually. That's actually, that's actually um, how, how it all felt, um, a culmination of, of years of, of going against the grain, you know? Uh, being told, no, you can't do this, so, oh, you shouldn't have said that, so I'll go and try and do it, even if it didn't succeed. It's a contrary, my, I have a contrary nature. In 1999, Māori voters took their utu, voting Tau and the rest of the former New Zealand First Māori MPs out of Parliament. He would eventually return as a National List MP in 2005 after six years in the political wilderness. What was it like in 1999, you leave Parliament, you know, one moment you're the Minister, the next moment you're outside of Parliament? 
One minute, one minute I'm, I'm um, being picked up in a limo. The next, the next day, um, nobody wants to know. I couldn't get a job. So I owe my survival um, in, the, in, the, in the interim from 1999 through to 2005 to a couple of people. Iritana Tafifirani and Timoti Karetu. And, and the, the, the movement <coughs> that is our babies, the Kohanga movement, they employed me. Um, and, and really, they uh, came to my rescue financially, because they paid me, to be a bit of a, uh, a troubleshooter. Not so much a troublemaker, but a troubleshooter. Um, Was it a hard role? Uh, there's, a, there's a subtle difference. There's a subtle difference. And, and it meant that I could get out amongst the people and to the kohangas, um, to many of them, and just offer my assistance about, okay, you're in trouble, how do we, how do we fix it? And then do some board work. You came back in 05, though, with the same job. You're a member of parliament, but this time for the National Party. Did that feel like a homecoming of sorts? No, it was a bit stink. You know, I mean, I, I miss this place. I still do. I miss the argy bargy, I miss the, the, the camaraderie. <clears throat> you know, I don't care whether they're um, people, you know, like I said before, I don't, I don't give a shit whether you're left or, or right, quite frankly. If you're a nice person, you're a nice person. If you've got a common sense, that's sweet. So coming back in here, um, I was in the opposition. And I quite like being in opposition because then it's just, you know, okay, loosen the guns, let's go. You know, get in the car and just drive. No, it doesn't matter where. So that's how I played the game. And then Brash got the boot, Key uh, came in, and um, we won the next election. So I thought, wow, I could be Minister of Māori Affairs again. And I could finish a few things that I wanted to, you know, like the housing stuff, like the kura. Why was Key reluctant to make you part of the ministry again? Maybe, maybe he didn't think that I was up to it. Maybe, maybe that the team of people um, picking the ministers um, going forward uh, didn't think I was much chop. That's cool. That's, that was their game. That was their play. I, I think also it was because the advent of the Māori Party. And we went into coalition with them, even though we didn't need them. But I thought that that was quite a shrewd, uh, a shrewd political management deal. I did have my doubts because I also think that what it did for the National Party was we gave up we gave up even thinking about Māori issues to the Māori Party, you know? You were still doing things your own way that term though, weren't you, when you stood <laughs> for Speaker in 2012? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, sometimes um, you know your time is cl uh, on the clock, on your own clock, is ticking down. And I thought to myself, actually, I'd make a good Speaker. When Lockwood left, um, I'd make a good Speaker. But yeah, being Speaker, I nearly had the numbers. I asked people in the House. I asked some of the Labour, Labour team. They said they would. Um, I asked the Greens. Materia, bless her soul, one of the most hard done by MPs the last hundred years. I kid you not. You know, she got hand hounded out of here. I love her to bits. I don't, I don't agree with all of the stuff that she says, but I love her to bits. And... and um, yeah, that's another story. Anyway, 
the speaker's job. Everybody agreed. So I went to the Māori Party and um, asked them, and Tūtūrua and Tari said, sweet. And I went, oh, that's cool, but I'm one short. I forgot I should have counted myself. So when I counted myself, I had the numbers. Easy, 61, 60. Um, no brainer. The following day, the following night, I, I talked to Tūtūrua and he said, no, can't do it. I said, bro, last night you said you would. I got an email from you. It says you would. And they got leaned on. The Māori Party got leaned on. Um, so they could have, but hey, it's only a job. It's only a job for me. So are they going to put in jeopardy all of their policy programs? Most probably not. Who leaned on them? Hey, our party, National Party. They didn't want me to be a speaker. Did the National Party make promises to you when it no. came to the end of your career? Key said, um, we'll look after you. Um, and two years later, I was still waiting. But I got a job as, the, as uh, on the board of uh, Housing New Zealand, which I really loved. Um, um, and like a, a colleague of mine, she became a member of uh, Housing New Zealand. And we both only served one term. Um, most disappointing when you know that both of us uh, were there for, actually not for, for, for ourselves, but for our people, because we're the ones that are homeless. We're the ones that can't buy houses. And the current Minister of Housing New Zealand took me off and he gave me one term. You usually get two terms. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I understand it's political, uh, but I thought he was a prize wanker for doing it, honestly. Political and also, in a sense, racist because it appears to happen to the Māori MPs. You mentioned your mate who it happened to, and there are other Māori MPs who it happens to as well. Politicians saying, oh, we're going to look after you if you leave Parliament. You know, all these jobs are here. It always seems to happen to the Māori MPs. When I got booted from Housing New Zealand, the Labour government took out a Māori and a Samoan from Housing New Zealand. Left all the white people there. See, when I was in there, it was about trying to move forward, move to the next level, move to the next generation. Because the time was up for old people who didn't, hadn't done anything. You know, we wanted new people, wanted young people. I feel sorry for young people these days because there's some, too many of my age group still here, um, you know, controlling things. I love young people. What's your advice to those kids, those young people? You've been a minister, you've been through parliament. What would you say to them? I want to have another go. There's no time like the present. I, I think, you know, look, I, I'm, I'm 59 this year. Am I going to have another go? Hell yes. In some way, shape or form, um, I'm going to have another crack. But I tell you what, it wouldn't be for a party anymore. It would be for an independent, as an independent there's no power in, a, in the old political system of national and labour. Honestly, I'm now more than ever convinced that the power for our people belongs in the hands of the independent, in the hands of a, whether you call it an independent Māori party, an independent party for Māori, or just an individual independent who's there willing to, to say to the government, I don't want to be a minister. But this is what you're going to do. And this is how much is going to come our way. 
my game is about getting things for our people. What's your life been like after Parliament? It's, it's sort of been exciting. I dropped a whole lot of weight. Um, I play golf. I, I try and play golf. Um, you know, family's bigger. Um, I got a divorce. Um, we're still in the same house. Um, I still make her a cup of coffee. What's it been like? It's been cool. Do I miss the place? Hell yes. I would swap um, this for that at the snap of the fingers. You've been listening to Matangi Deo with Morgan Godfrey. This podcast was made possible by the RNZ New Zealand On Air Innovation Fund. Music by Audio Network, sound recording by Craig Mullis, audio design by Reed Audio Limited, edited by Chris Anderton. Matangi Deo was commissioned by Kay Elmers for RNZ. Shannon Honui Thompson is the Kurahotu Māori. Executive producer, Carmen J. Leonard. Matangi Reo was produced and directed by Annabel Lee Mather and Mihinarangi Forbes.